You have heard it said that the pets are the real winners of this strange year that we've had. Shelters have reported running out of animals to adopt as people opened their homes to new friends for comfort and companionship in the pandemic. And the pets we've had suddenly got more attention. Clearly, the year has been a total win for dogs whose owners have been able to stay home more often. The benefits are perhaps less clear for cats. <laughs> I think my own are ready for us to leave them alone for a while. Now, that could be because the kids have been carting them around, squeezing them, and generally interrupting their naps far more often than the cats can tolerate. But from the human perspective, such activities in a rough year were about finding comfort in something that we love. We have a tendency to try to hold on to or even squeeze what we love. Now, the, the cat's plight reminds me of the story of a 10-year-old who loved his guinea pigs very much. He spent as much time with them as possible. He never wanted to leave them alone, which, for the record, they would not have minded. <clears throat> but the boy, the boy wanted a way to bring them to school so that they wouldn't be apart. So he took an old backpack, he cut the front out of it, and replaced the fabric with chicken wire. He placed a hard rectangular piece of plastic at the bottom to create a rigid, flat surface. Note that these elements were washable and chew-proof, key for containing rodents. He added a strap for a water bottle inside, and the creation was complete, which he dubbed the guinea pack. <laughs> it was a portable backpack for guinea pigs, handy for taking them to school or to a friend's house, to church, or anywhere you needed to go, anytime. Now, to my surprise, the guinea pig that the inventor tried this out on did not seem to mind being toted around. Of course, when that same guinea pig was put in the grass in the backyard a few minutes later, she took off, fast. Now, while comfortable with a certain amount of human handling and even small containment, guinea pigs are also free creatures who run at the first chance of freedom. I'm quite sure she would have kept going if the inventor had not caught up with her. He promptly put her back in the cage, all ended well, and she got some fresh greens to munch on for her troubles. The guinea pig in the backpack is not a bad image for how we try to understand God. That might be a strange thought, but in my defense, images and theology tend to get a little weird on ascension. <laughs> As we imagine Jesus floating up into the atmosphere on a cloud, as the biblical record reports. So we'll just go ahead and use the guinea backpack analogy. For one thing, we like to contain God, and we prefer to hold on to whatever knowledge of the divine that we have 
in a reasonably sized box. In some ways, I think we are supposed to. After all, the incarnation of God meant that Jesus walked around at a particular time and in a particular place. He was one man at the intersection of all of time and space. This was the localization of the divine. Scholars call this the scandal of particularity, which is the impossible idea that the infinite God of the universe was made known in one particular man in Galilee in order for God to be accessible to us. G.K. Chesterton once said that the great truths can only be understood on small stages. And so God came to us on a small stage in Galilee. The unfolding of that particular drama, as you know, is full of joy and sorrow. Through the story of Jesus, we learn about God's grace and mercy, about God's love for the world. And we also see how those truths were tested and rejected, as people threw as much sin and brokenness at that particular man as possible, landing him on the cross. The cross could have been the ultimate containment, the smallest possible cage for grace. But God's mercy could not be contained. It broke free when Christ rose from the dead. Luke tells us that the risen Christ recounted these things to the disciples on his last night with them. And then he gave them final instructions to proclaim the forgiveness of sins in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. In other words, they were to spread the news of God's mercy, a mercy ready to move from the small stage to the world. Jesus then blessed them and was carried up into heaven, which we honor on this night. Richard Rohr describes the ascension of Jesus as God's movement from the local to the universal. The ascension invites us to see that Jesus' message of forgiveness and divine love were not just true in one time, in one place, but true everywhere. A local mercy that, in the beautiful language of Ephesians, can now fill all in all. If grace is true in one place, it's true all over. True for us, true for everyone else beyond any box we try to confine it in. That's the heart of the ascension. What started as a particularity, a localization of God the disciples could know and love, is now free to reach far and wide. God chose a small stage in order to be accessible, but God will not stay there. Grace cannot be so contained. I think of that fourth grader carrying around his favorite guinea pig in the guinea pack and marvel at how we all try to carry a bit of God around with us. We hold on to what we know, what we can love. 
We carry some wisdom around and a sense of the holy. The ascension, however, reminds us that God cannot fit inside of our containers. The mercy of God is wider than we think. The love of God is so much bigger than we can imagine. And the grace of God is on the move fast. We just have to start with what we know, with what we can love, and God will take it from there. Amen.